What is happening, NBA fans? Free agency is upon us. The madness has begun. A whirlwind of transactions. And I'm getting inundated with texts from all the Laker fans I know. And it is uh, <laughs> it is fucking maddening, man. It is maddening. Oh, just when you thought they couldn't be more insufferable as a fan base, it's even more so. Uh, I've literally, I've got a couple page long where you're just scrolling for a while with uh, one that ended not 10 seconds ago. And uh, just, the, I mean, God bless them. The Lakers are willing to try and make moves. I guess we'll start there since that's on the top of the mind awareness for me. And uh good day to you too, Ramon. Um, he brings up the fact that the bulls are spending some money. Jeremy Bowers has chimed in. Uh, Lakers made so many moves. Tax is going to be ridiculous. Yeah. Tax is going to be super ridiculous. So the Lakers, first off, they make the trade for Russell Westbrook, which, so they ship out Russell Westbrook for KCP, Kuz, and Harrell. Um, and they take back Westbrook. And now between him, LeBron, and AD, that's 120. I'm doing this off the top of my head, but I want to say somewhere in the ballpark of like 127, 128 million. And considering the projected soft cap line is 112. They're already in excess of the cap line. Um, and then you factor in, we haven't even talked about, you know, Marcus Gasol's, I think, a $9 million cap hold and the bevy of people that they have just signed. THT to, to his extension, and they went out and got uh, Kendrick Nunn for two years. THT's was three-year, 32. Kendrick Nunn, two years, 10. Then Carmelo, Ariza, Wayne Ellington, Dwight Howard, Kent Bazemore and Malik Monk. Um, their tax bill is going to be through the roof. That is an interesting team. The problem is they are so old, so incredibly old. And, you know, mind you, I'm older than all of them. But at the same time, their average age is like 33 and a half years old or something like that, which by a mile makes them the oldest team average in the league but also makes them the oldest team average of the past. It's like 15 or 20 years. It's bananas how old this team is. You couple that with the fact that you're going to need to find rest for these guys during the regular season if you're going to hold out hopes that they're going to make a, a you know late championship playoff push, which is the entire point of constructing this team and any team really, but certain ones are vying for championships, you know, two, three, and five years from now, as opposed to we are literally looking to win right now. We're mortgaging all our assets to win right now. And one interesting thing, Ramona Shelburne and others, but she's the tweet that I saw saying that they didn't retain Caruso. Caruso was willing to take less money. Um, he came at the Lakers with three years, uh, 30 million, and he ended up signing... Uh, with the Bulls for three years, 37. So he comes at the Lakers for three years, 30, and they you know, came back and said, best I can do is $7 million per year. Um, or best we can do, rather, is $7 million per year. 
So the Lakers have retooled, and you assume crunch time lineup is going to be LeBron, AD, and, and Russ. But then it's a question of what shooters are you going to have out there to space the floor around them? Um, you know, Wayne Ellington is eh, upper 30s. I want to say like 37-ish, maybe 38% from three. Kent Bazemore had a good year last year, 41%. Um, you know, there's always mellow. So you, you've got some shooters out there. Do you trust them in high uh, leverage moments? I don't know. That's a great question. Um, but then LeBron seems to finally have some sort of, you know, injuries catching up with them after all these years. AD is pretty much guaranteed to miss a chunk of time at some point. It's inevitable. Um, <clears throat> you know, their championship year was kind of an anomaly where he wasn't out for a big chunk of the season. So you're going to have to make do without the two of them at some point. So it turns over to Russ's team. And is this team constructed to win with Russ? Now, one advantage um, of adding Russ and having him run point over Schroeder is the fact that they'll finally unlock one of the things AD is really good at, which is rim running and getting lobs, which Russ loves to throw lobs to his bigs. And Schroeder and AD... Um, I saw someone post and I, I haven't looked it up to see whether or not it's true, but only connected on one lob all of last season, which seems impossible, utterly impossible that they didn't connect before then. So there'll be that, but I mean, <clears throat> those late game situations, Russ is used to being in the driver's seat and dictating what his team does. Now he's had, had to slightly modify that over the past couple of years when he's in Houston and then in Washington, but he's kind of used to being able to take those shots. And what happens when Russ jacks up an ill-advised Russ shot from deep when he's not a good three-point shooter in the slightest? Uh, and is that going to ruffle feathers? You're damn right it is. And I also question this team's defense, which considering how excellent they were on defense last year, but when you ship out KCP and Caruso, it's a lot of their depth and their defensive ability. And you're replacing it with Russ, who can get steals and stuff, but he gambles, man, and he gets caught doing it too. Um, and the fact that this team is that much older, are they going to be able to bring the defensive intensity night in, night out? Now, it's one thing that Vogel is known for is being a defensive-minded coach uh, and his offense is lacking. Well, now this team is basically built to be an offensive punch and defense is secondary, and will he be able to basically modify his tactics defensively and get the most out of this group of guys while still not uh, uh, undermining their offensive integrity and abilities? I don't know. It'll be interesting. But the Lakers have been busy, to say the very least. I do like the picks up pickups of Nunn and Malik Monk. But they, you know, that is super interesting and good for Carmelo. If they win a championship, I'm happy for Carmelo. Carmelo. Um, even if Carmelo just makes a conference finals, for Christ's sakes, that would be nice um, for for him. He's done basically everything else. He's, uh, you know, 
led a team on his own. He won a college championship. He's one of the greatest Olympian basketball players this country has ever produced. Um, but he's never had those top tier championship like accolades and, and achievements in the NBA, which is kind of the biggest metric by which we judge, you know, any of these long-term individuals to, to gauge how they are in the pantheon of greats. Um, so the Lakers are going to be interesting. They're going to be old as shit and their defense is right now on paper. It looks like it's, it's, it's going to take a hit. So I'll be intrigued as to whether or not they can overcome that, but you know, don't want to count them out because right now, as more than one Laker fan has texted me, who's stopping them in the West? And that's a great question. I mean, injuries are going to play a factor in this, but I don't know that anybody got dramatically better, especially if the Clippers don't retain Reggie Jackson, which right now he's still a free agent as of recording this. They really need to keep Reggie Jackson. And then Kawhi will, by all accounts, resign with them. And I think Paul George shaking off the pandemic P and all that jazz. Um, I think he made a, he actually got a little bit better. He was already, you know, excellent. But to lead a team like that when technically the number one option goes down and you're able to carry the load, that should really help them going forward. Plus, they got PG under contract. He signed an extension, you know, long before this this free agency madness began. So how long does Kawhi sign for? Does he do another two-year deal? I don't know. But all indications are Kawhi is going to resign with the Clippers. Uh, why he hasn't thus far, I don't know. Maybe he wanted to see all the moves that they were going to make, but any other really big championship team, unless Kawhi suddenly wants to go out for a mid-level exception, there's not a whole lot of teams with cap uh, space left that have any real championship aspirations as evidenced by Miami going out and spending damn near every dollar they have. They extend Jimmy Butler to a four-year, $186 million contract. They trade for Lowry and get him on three years, $90 million. Uh, that's a boatload of money. They've got Duncan Robinson re-signed now for five years, $90 million, which $18 million per for a guy that shoots that well from three and at his age. Uh, it's a good contract. Uh, picked up P.J. Tucker on a two-year deal. Solid 15, so seven and a half million ish per uh, season. Solid pickup. They just got Markeith Morris today and they re signed some of their own, plus a one year deal from Oladipo. And Woj was reporting that um, from Oladipo's uh, surgeon that had now there are red flags. He had a second surgery in May, it's a second surgery on the same right tendon quadricep in the past 28 months, but the surgeon went in there and said it was torn away. I can't believe he was playing. Um, and they reattached it. The surgery went, it was textbook and he should be right as rain come November. And if that is the case, then they signed Oladipo to a mid-level exception contract. Cause that's basically the max money they can offer him. They don't have, you know, anything else in the coffers. Um, so this team running it back suddenly got very interesting 
Are they strong enough to compete with the likes of Brooklyn? Well, if Brooklyn can stay healthy, Brooklyn is the odds-on favorite, in my opinion, to win the whole damn thing. But that's a big if. I mean, I don't know if I trust Kyrie to stay healthy for an entire season, but even with uh, KD and Harden, that duo alone um, is pretty damn solid. When you factor in the Bruce Brown is coming back one year on his qualifying, which is a smart move. Next year, the cap jumps um, roughly the projection is around $7 million and Bruce Brown should be able to take advantage of that, uh, next season. Um, but then like a, a full off season with all these guys in training camp and, uh, maybe Joe Harris springs back and Brooklyn is going to be a problem, but Miami damned if they didn't go out and try and do everything they possibly could to really make some moves and put a championship type contender together. Cause there were a lot of suitors out there for Lowry. Um, Dallas wanted him and would have been an interesting fit next to Luca. Uh, New Orleans did everything they could to free up the cap space to get him by trading away pick after pick after pick to get off of contracts, to free up the cap space only to get Devonte Graham in return and lose Lonzo Ball, that's going to be a tough pill to swallow for New Orleans fans. And now they have to contend with, is Zion going to leave or not? Um, and if I'm Zion, I am leaving. They have now squandered another generational talent that makes CP. They lose CP. That's fine. They get AD, another generational talent. They lose AD. And from that, they get Zion. And it looks like they're going to screw up the Zion thing and he's going to leave. And at that point, I don't even know if New Orleans should have a franchise. They have some fans down there, but they also have trouble selling tickets. And the ownership there just doesn't seem to be able to put the right people in place. So perhaps it's time to move on. Do something else with your time. But Miami, boy, oh boy. So they've been after Lowry for a while. And him and Butler genuinely seem to be very good friends. And if you're going to lose, you know, Kendrick Nunn and Dragic, and Dragic was really good for them. It's not like that's a nothing. You know, the, to, to get Lowry, they had to give up Dragic and, and Precious Achua. And Precious is about potential and what he could be, and Dragic is about what he can get now. And um, we'll see if Dragic stays with Toronto or if he gets moved as well. But Miami is... Really, Pat Riley is once again pushing his chips into the middle. And the team as it's currently constructed is pretty deep. This is a solid team. Tyler Hero bounces back, which he's still young. So the up and down nature of being young and, and kind of the rigors of the season, plus the quick turnaround time after last season, and perhaps that they, you know threw a wrench in dead to his overall growth and maturation. I don't know. But when you have this team as it's currently constructed, if they don't win right now, I mean, they're relatively cap hamstrung and I don't know what exactly they do. Um, but it's a pretty solid team. So, You've got Lowry, you've got Butler, you've got Hero, you've got Robinson. Um, then the additions of PJ Tucker. It's, it's not like PJ's 
lighting the world on fire anymore, but he can give you solid minutes as just evidenced by the fact that he's part of a championship team. Markeith is a good rotational piece. I wouldn't want any more minutes out of him than that. And if Oladipo can spring back and play anywhere near Oladipo's level, then Miami is going to be pretty brutal. And then there's also, too, the Olympics bump that a lot of guys have, and Bam could be bringing the Olympics bump where you're just basically you're training with the best of the best in the league, and you pick up some of their habits, and you're in great shape coming into training camp, and you're just locked and loaded, ready to roll, especially for a young guy like him. It's paid dividends in the past. Go look at the the Beijing Olympics and the growth of LeBron and Wade and those guys after they came back being around Kobe and whatnot, those next that next season, the next couple seasons, they grew by leaps and bounds. So perhaps Bam will benefit from that as well. But Miami has depth and it's going to be super interesting. All right. Now moving on to my Chicago Bulls. We actually made moves. My mind is blown. It's utterly blown away. Um, and I apologize. Shit. Somebody hit me up on Twitter and was like, what is this starting five? Um, and the weird thing is I actually kind of like it. I don't know what that says about me. Perhaps I'm buying into way too much of the optimism, although I do that quite a bit with the bulls, but I mean, we have made moves. This is something we don't do. So we do a sign and trade for Lonzo right? Give him a four-year deal for $85 million. And we ship out Sadoransky, Garrett Temple, and a second rounder. I am perfectly fine with that trade-off. The, the nice thing with Lonzo is he does not need the ball in his hands. He's turned himself into a good off-ball three-point shooter, which I never thought in a million years I would be saying that. That's what drove me nuts about him going so high. He's like, dude can't shoot. You ever watch him? This release point is strange. And then there's the great Gilbert Arenas during his rookie year, if you want to go search that out, it's like a 20-minute video about all the things that's wrong that are wrong with Lonzo's shot mechanics and how any good defender is going to destroy him. And when you're watching it, you're like, man, Gil should be coaching because this is just a clinic in how you can shut down this lottery pick at the time. But he has worked on his shot, his release, his mechanics, and he's turned himself into a solid three-point shooter. And the fact of the matter is we do not need him to be a guy that goes out and the entire offense needs to revolve around you. Off-ball and Zach is the primary, perfectly fine with that. Then we go out and trade for DeRozan, give him a three-year deal for $85 million. We have to ship out that young Alpha Rook Aminu and a future first. But the earliest that future first can convey is 2025. Now, the reason that there is that stipulation is because we sent out other first rounders for Vucevic. Um, and the fact of the matter is, if this team doesn't compete, we've given away our first rounders for the foreseeable future and we are completely hamstrung with this lineup as it's currently constructed. And DeRozan doesn't shoot threes. So there is that. Um, but 
between, you know, the starting five is going to be more than likely Levine, Vooch, Lonzo, DeRozan, and Pat Williams. And we have, you know, Kobe White and Markinen if we resign him, although Markinen's he's asking for too much out there. So I'm guessing at this point we get him on a one-year deal. Um, but that is for the East, that's a solid starting five. And a lot of people are saying all oh, the pressure on them is on them to make at least the playoff game. And I think if we make just the playoff game, this season is has gone completely off the rails and has gone terribly wrong. Um, I'm not saying we need to be, you know, the top three, because that to me is a little bit more bananas. But if we're not in, say, top six-ish, this is a problem. This is a real problem. Because then you add in the depth that we got with who I brought up earlier, Caruso, four-year deal for 37 mil. Um, I think that's solid depth. A guy that is uh, performed really well for a championship team. Now, when you have somebody like LeBron out there and you're only asked to play defense shoot the occasional shot and get out there and just hustle. You know, it's a different role than quite possibly it will be for the bulls, but the added depth of a steady individual like that, I think is great. And this new front office came in and did something that previous front offices really had no desire to do, which is shake things up, mortgage some of our assets for, trying to go out and acquire players that can help us contend. I don't, we're not championship level. And until we see this collection of guys play together, I have no idea what really their ceiling or floor is going to be, but at least it's finally interesting. I mean, for whatever reason, Chicago is one of the biggest media markets and the largest cities in this country, but we cannot sign free agents for anything. Nobody wants to go and play in Chicago. Um, you know, it doesn't have the sexiness of New York, and then you factor in the cold weather. Well, if you're not in New York, do you really want to deal with the cold when you can go to one of the two LA teams or uh, Golden State or pay no uh, income tax in Texas or go down to Miami? Like, there are just other options out there for you. So, if you don't develop from within and acquire in trades, Chicago just didn't really have any other avenues. So to finally go out and make some of these moves, I mean, at least we're interesting. Which is something I've been waiting for and most Bulls fans have been waiting for for a long time. I think it was uh, Tim Williams was the one that uh, tweeted me about the lineup yesterday and I didn't respond. I apologize. Um, but this team is going to be a handful we have now numerous all-stars on this squad. And Levine, Levine is set up to be a perennial at this point. He has elevated that next level. And then within voters' minds, like media and players, uh, because he is playing solid, heavy minutes for the Olympic team, and if they end up getting gold, well, that'll just increase his shine that much more. <clears throat> 
and he managed to get an all-star uh, this year when the team was just kind of so-so. So now you pair him with Vooch, who's been on all-star teams, DeRozan, who's been on all-star teams. Um, but we have three really solid individuals. And the nice thing is, I think both Vooch and DeRozan realize that this is Levine's team. And Levine has grown into that type of role. Um, I will be intrigued to see how this lineup plays together. Uh, just in that Vooch tends to slow down the offense. It wants to play down on the low block. DeRozan feasts on the mid range. So between the two of them, is that going to clog a lot of the driving lanes and possibilities of uh, DeRozan and Williams and Lonzo streaking to the basket and getting some, any kind of interior shots? Um, perhaps, perhaps. I mean, I wonder if DeRozan finally is willing to go out to the three-point line at very least shoot from the corner pretty consistently. Um, but I am at $85 million over three years. I'm perfectly happy with that contract for DeRozan. I think that is, it's tradable. So if this doesn't go well, we can get off of it. And at least it is showing to Levine and the fan base, we're trying to make moves to make this team better. And what we gave up to get both of these guys, but especially Lonzo, I think is more than justifiable. Of all the guys that have been shipped out, you know, over, over these two trades, so Sadoransky, Garrett Temple, Thad Young, and Alfred Aminu, uh, Thad Young, I will miss the most. He just gave us like an edge, uh, would hustle, um, a sense of identity that the young guys seem to feed on. And I like Sadoransky, but to get Lonzo in return, I'm happy with that. And that's more than enough of a trade off for me. Um, so Thad Young, Will we lose? We lost basically, you know, our our high end junkyard dog, um, and perhaps that will make a difference as to the overall identity of the team. But at least we're out there. We're making moves, baby. We're trying to do something. All right, but we will move on. So, a team that has not technically been part of free agency, but has been a mover and a shaker um, are the Boston Celtics. So they ship out Kemba to OKC for a 21 first and 25 second, and they get Horford Moses Brown in a 23 second in return. Now OKC has just bought out Kemba and Kemba is going to sign for what appears to be the mid-level exception with the Knicks. Um, and suddenly by that signing, the Knicks look all the more interesting because weirdly they were just running it back with a team that seemed flawed. Um, and perhaps if you're the Knicks, you could say, well, look, we have that playoff run a little bit more seasoning. Our guys are young. They grow up and grow together a little bit more, and we don't want to disturb the core. And that's not a bad thing. Continuity is a good thing on teams. Um, 
and I like bringing back Rose when the Bulls were rumored to potentially be in the Rose sweepstakes. Uh, I was happy with that. I'd love to see him come back and return. He'd be a great fit. The city would embrace him. Um, and it's new management, new coaching, perhaps. But the Celtics, so they ship out Kemba. They get back Horford and Moses Brown. Solid. Then they send out Tristan Thompson for, I mean, not a whole lot. Chris Dunn. Uh, who I've watched a bunch of games with, and uh, everyone's going to show flashes, but not really. Bruno Fernando in a 23 second, but really this was just to get out of Tristan Thompson's contract. And then they use their uh, trade exception to go out and pick up Josh Richardson as kind of a reclamation project. And will he be able to fit in next to Tatum and Brown and be the three and D guy that basically he's been projected to be since he was on Miami and was kind of on the Sixers, but he fell off a cliff and just was out of the rotation for Dallas. And the interesting thing with the Celtics is that had they waited until, I believe, the 6th, which is when actual free agency opens and made this move, they wouldn't have been able to afford him. Their trade exception was for $11 million, and his contract for the 21 season was 10.8, but I believe starting on August 6th, it became 11.6 when free agency actually opened so they wouldn't have been able to go out and use that that trade exception they got from the Gordon Hayward deal. Um, so by executing the trade a couple of days before, they managed to acquire somebody and uh, take advantage of something that everybody always crows about, the, the, the trade exception, and it very rarely comes to fruition where it's worth a damn. Um, and we'll see with Richardson, but at least Boston is out there moving and shaking, trying to do something, but they're, you know, they still have a Marcus smart question. They've obviously shipped out Kemba. So they're fully ceding the control of the team to Tatum and Brown. And can those two, my, my question with them is, will they show the heart and drive? Because there were numerous times last season where you're watching them and be like, did these dudes even give a shit? Like they just be down by double digits all the time. Um, so will that be remedied? I don't know. I don't know. But let's switch over to the, there's so much to talk about. There's so much to talk about. And thank you to everybody for joining me in the chat. Uh, I want to address everything you're saying simultaneously. There have been so many moves that it's kind of tough to go back and forth between the two. We're moving on to the Knicks who I just brought up. So, the Knicks have just done the, we're going to retain basically everybody. So they rose three years, 43 million. Nerland's no well, three years, 32. It, granted, you know, that's a shade under 11 million per. And given the fact that, you know, in the very near future, Steph Curry is going to be making 50 million. Uh, it's not egregious, but Nerland's is a very one-dimensional player. So it's probably about market average, but I would hope you get them for like eight mil shave a few million off of that and save it. But anyway, three years, 32 Alec Burks, three years, 30. I think that's solid as can be bringing Taj back for one more year. Um, I love Taj. Always been a big fan of Taj save for when we drafted him. And I initially watched him. I was like, dude, this guy's game is so strange. Like, he looks like an old man at 22 with this old, the old man game. Did you see him pick up this up and under nonsense? And then you watch him enough and you're like, nah, man, he is, he is everything you want 
in a guy like that. I love Taj. I'm glad he's coming back playing for Tibbs again. And then they go out and they pay 18 million per for Evan Fournier. That's the only one that makes me question the Knicks front office. Evan Fournier to me is fine. You know, I watched him on the magic and then watched him on the Celts and by his stats, I guess this is about what he's worth. Personally, I would not touch Evan Fournier for 18 million. Uh, unless you think that's a very tradable contract. If it comes down to that, I would be much more comfortable with Evan Fournier at 15 on the high end, 12 on the low. 18 seems, seems really high for Evan Fournier. But he does give them more shooting, which is what they lacked when it came playoff time. It's just somebody to to hit a bucket. Um, you know, and and Randall, it seemed like Atlanta had figured out, you know, what Randall was capable of. So to put another potential playmaking slash ball handler out there to help alleviate some of that and reduce the defense being able to fully key in on him. And perhaps the you, you put him next to Randall and, and R.J. Barrett and whatnot, and it's a nice blend type of thing. But I applaud the Knicks for keeping their core together and saying, we have something collectively here. This team plays really well together. They're growing together. So why not nurture that as opposed to just doing Nixian things of trying to go out and wildly overspend at free agency and then getting beat to the punch on player X and going out and spending that same money on player Y when player Y, there's a reason they were still available. Um, not to say I'm specifically thinking of Amari, not to say that Amari wasn't worth a decent amount, but you know, had the injury history and, and everything else that unfolded. So I like them investing in the guys that they've helped foster and grow. Um, I do question the Evan Fournier, but the Knicks, good for the Knicks. The Knicks are looking relatively solid. Um, so let's see. Uh, let's dance around some more. So the Clippers, as of right now, the only move technically that has transpired is Batum is going back for what? I think it's a two-year deal, two-year deal. Um, and that's good. He was he was excellent for them, better than I thought Nick Batum would be. They really need to keep Reggie Jackson, and they're going to sign Kawhi by all indications. Although, when people say that, it's just like, can anybody get a read on Kawhi? Does anyone know what Kawhi is thinking? Because it doesn't seem like he talks to many people. Um, but they're running it back. So I like that for them. Um, Denver, instead of looking at next season as kind of a wash with Jamal Murray out, they've actually gone out. They uh, re-signed Will Barton to a two-year, $32 million deal, 16 per. I like that. Uh, Jermichael Green, two years, $17 million. 
Sure. Jeff Green, two years, 10 million. That's 10 total and 17 total and 32 total. Uh, not per. There's no world as Will Barton worth 32 per. Um, solid. Retained Austin Rivers services and then signed Kelly Olenek. Oh, pardon me. Olenek went to Detroit. Um, so re-signed three of their guys, went out and got Jeff Green off of Brooklyn, which is kind of huge for Brooklyn because when they had guys go down, he really stepped up and it turned into the Durant and Green show against the Bucks. So to lose him, um, it's kind of huge, although Brooklyn is somewhat hamstrung. I don't know how they could afford him. But what's interesting about that for the Nuggets are the cap dynamics next year because you're going to have uh um you know Aaron Gordon coming up and you're going to have Michael Porter Jr eligible for his extension and they're not going to have a whole lot of money now they can go over the cap to re-sign their guys uh but is this team if if they're not in championship contention next year with Jamal Murray being out are they going to be willing to talk ownership into wildly going into um, the luxury tax over the next couple of years on the idea that we should be there if Jamal was healthy? I don't know. That's going to be that's going to be an interesting discussion. But I do enjoy the fact that instead of looking at next season as a wash, they are trying to retain some of their guys and then adding someone like Jeff Green. Um, and staying competitive instead of just kind of throwing in the towel and saying, ah, next year's a wash. They're at least going to say, you know what? Jokic is in his prime. He's the MVP on a big of his size. His prime is going to be a smaller window more than likely than it is for you know, uh, the equivalent guard or wing player. So we need to do everything we can to maximize the group and the talent that we have now to try and put a winner and be competitive. Um, and if Jamal Murray was, had been healthy this year, I actually like the nuggets to make it out of the West. And if he was healthy next year, I think the nuggets would have a good shot of contending with the Lakers or anyone else in the West. Cause I don't think, there is, you know, if you listen to Laker fans, it's Lakers in whatever number they want to come up with. Uh, the last one I got was from my buddy Chris, and he said Lakers in five. Um, I don't know that any team is the runaway favorite right now in the West, whereas in the East, I think it is Brooklyn. And then after that, it becomes a discussion of uh, Milwaukee or potentially Miami, or if Atlanta grows a little bit more. Um, you know, those are your top tierish teams right now. And the, the only reason I'm not putting Philly in that mix is they still haven't found a trade partner for Ben Simmons. And that is a looming problem because you don't want to get to training camp with Ben Simmons. Uh, and I love that Daryl Morey, God bless him. He is asking for everything under the sun. Oh, you want Ben Simmons? Uh, what was it? They, with the Spurs? They told the Spurs, you know, you know, potentially, this is what's been reported. We want four firsts and three pick swaps. 
don't you just ask for a hand job from the head coach too? Just have Pop come over and give you a handy. It's ridiculous. I mean, you might as well ask for the moon. You know, all they can do is say no. There's no point in lowballing to put yourself in a bad bargaining position, uh, and you're setting the anchor point of don't come at us unless you have a legit trade offer. But Jesus, Philly, you might want to temper those expectations as to what you think the Ben Simmons is worth on the open market because right now his trade value is almost at its all-time lowest. And if they open this season together and it does not go well, it's only going to plummet all that much further. Um, you need to get off the schneid and, and make this decision pretty quickly. Um, so let's move on quickly. Let's uh, bounce around a little bit. Um, the Indiana Pacers, they retained so far, this is what they've done. They've retained TJ McConnell and they picked up Tory Craig from Phoenix, but they also let Doug McDermott go to the Spurs. Uh, and I thought that was a very, it was a quality pickup by the Spurs. And now Doug McDermott at, in his late twenties is the oldest Spur. That's how young the Spurs are. Um, but Doug McDermott signed for, hold on. I got it in my notes. Uh, McDermott signed three years, 42. And I think given his skill set, that's a solid pickup. The Spurs also got Zach Collins too from Portland. Eh. Three years, 22 million. That seems about right. That seems about right. Seven, seven and change per season. I got zero problem with that. Um, uh, Portland hasn't done much of anything outside of re-signing Norman Powell to five years, 90 million. 18 per that seems to be the butt going rate between him and Duncan Robinson and a few other guys, you know, uh, uh, Fournier, like 18 million for that skill set seems to be about the going rate. Um, but then it's Tony Snell for a year from Atlanta, Ben McLemore for a year, uh, over from the Lakers and Cody Zeller, which they lost Zach Collins. So they pick up Cody Zeller at 5 million less per season. But if you wanted to keep Dame, you just lost Mello too. Um, and Zach Collins. This this is you're gonna have a depth issue, and I don't know that this appeases Dame. So um all right, moving on. Uh so far, Philly only the only real moves they've done are uh Georgie Eden Yang for two years. Andre Drummond on a vet minimum of 2.4 million. And then Rajon Tucker, but that was, you know, their own guy. But Drummond, who's been in a war of words with Embiid over the years, and Embiid just clowning on him uh, on, you know, Instagram and Twitter, but mainly Instagram saying he owns him uh, over and over. And now he is the backup to Embiid. Uh, that should make for interesting fodder. Um, Orlando hasn't done all that much, but that being said, by all accounts, Jalen Suggs falling to them could be the perfect piece. And then they went out and signed Mo uh, Wagner to a two-year deal, and they drafted his younger brother, Franz Wagner. So now they have the Wagner brothers, although by all accounts, Mo Wagner is uh, seems to be a dick don't know um let's see what else we got the pels so i guess their big free agency move is Devonte graham 
or a Garrett Temple. But if you're Zion looking at this, of shipped out Lonzo, more future first to open up the cap space, and the best we're going to do is Devontae Graham, who's a good player, but he's not a great player. And his contract isn't crazy. It's a shade under $12 million on average per over four seasons. But I, I don't know if that's really moving the needle uh, for them. Houston hasn't done all that much, although I do like the pickup of Tice gives them more depth than David Nawaba. Um, but that's a retaining of their own guy. Uh, but Tice is a solid pickup. They're more so about the youth movement they got there. So there's not a whole lot uh, that they need to do right now. They kind of need to see the pieces they have and put them all together. Um, Milwaukee, I'm concerned with as of right now. Although, uh, the pickup of Rodney Hood on one year for just a cheap amount of money is solid, but they've lost a couple guys uh, going out. They retained Portis at a cheaper contract than he could have made elsewhere, but Portis has become a folk hero in Milwaukee, and why not stay where you're loved? Uh, but it's a two-year deal. And Simi Ojale from Boston, like they haven't done all that much. You could say, why tinker with it? But you need to add depth, and you definitely need more shooting out there um, because if any combination of you know uh, uh, your big three, if two of those three have an off night, it's really tough for you to win. So if you had more shooting out there, although with DiVincenzo coming back, um, perhaps his health will give them the depth. And then uh, Pat Kanan, um, his growth over the course of the playoffs, getting the increased minutes, you know, maybe they just didn't want to go out and do huge amounts of cash. That's why it would have been interesting had Kemba gone there because they could afford Kemba. Uh, although Kemba will have a larger role in the Knicks and he's a hometown guy, but could have been interesting there. Um, let's see, let's see, let's bounce around Sacramento. They retained Rashawn Holmes and, um, Mo Harkless, but to get homes for four years, 55 solid pickup. I don't know what else, you know, they were going to do. So that was kind of their top priority is to retain them, him, if they could, um, golden state hasn't done a whole heck of a lot. The reports are that the, their big three are understanding of that fact that, they didn't want to go out and forego all their assets. Uh, maybe they can just kind of piece this together. And then with clay coming back, they'll be super interesting. Uh, who knows? Who knows? Um, Atlanta opened up the coffers and paid uh, money out the wazoo. You've got Trey young, five years, 172 and it can, could end up ballooning to 207 million. Um, he just needs to make an all NBA team over the next, I think it's three years. So just needs to make one of them, I believe, but that, that could get a 30% kicker. Although with all NBA, if it's the Rose rule, if you get MVP once in that three year, or I think you have to make all NBA two out of the three, if memory serves, but anyway, that could be a kicker up to 270 million. And then finally, John Collins signed today. 
Uh, was curious as to why it was taking so long, but it's five years, 125 million, and good for John Collins uh, because he turned down a 90 million dollar extension before this past season and was betting on himself and ends up getting 35 million more. Um, and good for good for John Collins. You bet on yourself, and that paid off. And given that I would prefer to have him over somebody, say, like uh, Jared Allen, who the Cavs signed to a five-year, $100 million deal, um, 125 is perfectly palatable for that guy. And looks like he can grow, too. Like, he's not done developing into the player that he could be. So this, this very well, by the last two years to three years of this contract could be under market value and the Hawks could be benefiting from that. Just given that all the teams with cap space that could have used them went out and signed other people. Um, Cause that's the only thing I can come up with as to why it didn't go down sooner is that he was hoping that somebody would come out and uh, you know, Godfather him. Um, but good for him. But now Atlanta is on the hook and I'd have to look at their salary cap, but I'm assuming just given that they went out and spent money when they had cap space last season that with, uh, you know, uh, Bogdanovich and Gallinari, uh, and Trey and Collins, they're limited as to what they can do going forward because then they're going to have to pay the piper on the other next crop of young guys. Once their contract extensions come up, um, and they get off the rookie scale, your, your herders, your Cam Reddishes, you know, et cetera. So they locked in their young core now, and they should be frisky and interesting. Um, but we'll see what they do. But good for Atlanta to retain. That was that had to be priority number one. Um, let's head over to Brooklyn real quick. So they retained Bruce Brown. They lost Jeff Green. Uh, I really like the pickup of Patty Mills for two years, $12 million. That is, he is going to be excellent for them coming off the bench. Um, and for that price tag, it's a guy with championship experience, should be able to, to blend easily with that uh, locker room. And uh, that was a solid pickup from the Brooklyn Nets. And then Blake Griffin comes back on a one-year deal. Uh, they pick up James Johnson from the Pelicans on a one-year deal. But retaining Blake, he seemed to have, to really get along there and was rejuvenated. Uh, I still think losing Jeff Green is going to be, you know, something they're going to have to overcome, but there's always the buyout market and everything come mid season. And if they look like they're the championship potential juggernaut that they could be, well, then there is a very good chance they're going to have their pick of the litter for potential available free agents. Uh, Dallas. Retained Tim Hardaway Jr. for once again, roughly around 18 million. It's four years, 74 million. Ends up being on average 18 and a half million. I think, put it this way, for that same money, would you rather have him or Evan Fournier? I'll take Tim Hardaway Jr. Would you rather have him or Norman Powell? Powell's uh, deal is an extra year longer. I think I'd still take. I think I'd still take uh, uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. He's just shown to be uh, a good running mate for Luca, 
And Dallas freed up all the space to make a run at Kyle Lowry to complement that and really flesh out their front court, uh, or their back court, rather. Um, and it didn't pan out. So they're forced to go out and get like Reggie Bullock, three years, 30 and a half million. That's good. Sterling Brown, two years, 6.2. Okay. Um, but the fact of the matter is, and they, they retained Boban. Um, Luca is MVP caliber. So you want to create a championship team around him, but you also don't want to forego the flexibility of being able to move guys into your cap or trade out assets to pick up somebody to shoulder a larger contract. So you want to maintain some flexibility there. Um, but it'll be interesting as to what they do in the very near future because you don't want to see Luca leave. And I can't imagine he's not going to sign his extension. I think Zion, there is a there's a genuine fear that he might not sign his extension, but there would be repercussions and ramifications for him if he doesn't, because then it uh I think it takes him out of the super duper max eligibility on the next contract because he won't have the years in the league at that point or the residency with the team. Whereas he could do the Anthony Davis re-sign the max rookie and then force his way out and maintain his ability um, to get whatever contract he wanted thereafter, whatever the market was willing to dictate that his talent was worth. Um, Oh, Jeremy asked, where do you find the full contract info? Uh, There's numerous places to go. Uh, you can go to basketball reference. You can go to uh, basketball.realgm. You can go to sport track. Uh, and that's just with a C, no K at the end, sporttrack.com. Uh, um, some of them are only, the reported figures are only like uh, on Oladipo's, we know he's coming back for one year. That's all Shams has, has relayed. And that's all that's been released as far as I know as, starting the recording on this. And when you look at their cap, um, the only thing that they could offer him would be a mid-level exception. Um, stuff like that. But the uh, contract breakdowns, you can find them in any of those. Um, but the most up-to-date, I think, is probably Sport Track. Long-term, like once the season starts, I pretty much just go to Basketball Reference uh, for any information like that. Or possibly Hoops Hype. Uh, Hoops hype is a good one, especially their rumors section. Um, anyway, go check those out. Uh, there's a, and there's even more that you can go um, if you want to go and look out. Uh, there are different sites for for stats that I like. Uh, I subscribe to to cleaning the glass, um, but you can find all that information. It's out there. You just got to search for it, and then you find various websites, and then whichever interface you like looking at the best. I think the cleanest is for stuff like this sport track for stats and whatnot is basketball reference just for the overall macro view. Um, but anyway, all right. I think I've danced around the association enough. Um, let's see other contract. Oh, I didn't. So Phoenix Phoenix, they re-signed, which they had to, uh, Chris Paul, Four years, 120 million. 
congratulations, Chris Paul. You will be 40 years old making $30 million um, for an injury-prone guy. They had the Suns over the barrel, and God bless Peter Sarver. He finally is willing to go into the luxury tax to maintain this core. I think fans in Phoenix and Suns fans would have come out with pitchforks had he lowballed and they lost him. They also re-signed campaign to a really team-friendly contract of three years, $19 million. That is, you know, for for the minutes that he gave you, um, of the two guys, of the two guards that really stepped up in the playoffs, him and Reggie Jackson. Reggie Jackson, I think, showed he could consistently do it, whereas campaign came up big in moments. Uh, and he had like, you know, one one game, I want to say, in the Western Conference Finals where he carried them um, when CP was out. And it was like the campaign show, which is something I never in a million years thought I would see. So for him to only get 6.3 per, and I only say only um, because you would think if anybody's going to overpay, it'd be Phoenix. But the fact that I figured the guy would be out of the league before this and he just got a three-year deal and was a big cog and a championship-level team. Uh, good for him. And then they also got JaVale McGee for depth at the center position. I think that is a very solid pickup, plus they're only paying McGee five mil. Um, I think that is that is awesome. So retaining Paul, you had to do. Getting campaign at a decent price and then bringing in JaVale McGee as your backup. It is pretty damn good as far as Phoenix is concerned. And perhaps they are going to be in the real championship contention and the team that is going to give the West the biggest fits because uh, with the growth of their young guys and now potentially next season, they'll be walking around with the swagger of, we almost won the championship we can do this with this core group of guys. Um, there is no greater feeling than knowing the other dudes in the trenches with you, uh, you can rely on. And they have that now. So that kind of confidence should bleed over. And I'm pulling for them. I hope that the Suns are the new juggernaut in the West. And it's not somebody like the Lakers where they're just able to go out and overspend and willing to go into the luxury tax and the repeater tax. That's not fun for me as an, non-Laker fan. I mean, it makes for interesting shows and all the free agency moves and all that stuff, but if basically only a handful of teams are really in these championship hunts year in, year out, then what's the difference between this and baseball where there is no salary cap and if certain markets want to wildly overspend for teams and they can. I, granted, there is a cap and uh, the Lakers pay for it, but they make so much more money with their local TV deal and merchandising and everything like that that it doesn't really hurt them as badly as it would anybody else by and large. Um, so I'm pulling for somebody like the Lakers or, you know, you could say a former perennial juggernaut in the Warriors, just in that they drafted Curry, they drafted Thompson, they drafted green, and that's the core of who they are. Um, so anyway, Phoenix, good job. Um, solid pickup. I think I've danced around most of the association that's a solid NBA free agency wrap up. We're at the one hour mark. I'd like to thank everybody that uh, that joined. 
Um, a lot of fun. Good talking to you. I apologize. I couldn't get over to the chat, but as you pretty much saw, I talked nonstop for, uh, the entire hour, just between my notes and various tabs I have open of, you know, a different websites, breaking news, Twitter. Um, although I haven't checked Twitter in a minute and let's see if, uh, shams or anybody else has released. Although you got to say shams is kind of winning this free agency. Oh, other than uh, Raptors waving Aaron Baines, which I forgot to bring up, but nothing new or breaking in the past hour. So there you go. There is dropping dimes for today. Uh, thanks once again to everybody that joined, watched it live. Um, I will do a show next week. I have no idea what's going to be back. I have been watching the Olympics. I will say quickly, uh, last game against Spain. Jesus, in that first half, at one point, we were 3 of 13 from 3, and we just kept shooting threes instead of driving to the lane and trying to keep the defense honest on the other end. And the second half, it didn't bite us in the ass as much because we started making all those threes. But I don't like the fact that this team relies so heavily on the three. That could easily be the nail in our coffin. Um, so hopefully that shit ends and it becomes a more balanced offense overall. Or if we're only going to shoot threes, how about we just have KD shoot them all? <laughs> even though we have all well, him and Dame, even though we have good three point shooters out there. Um, but it just, there were numerous times you're like, why is this going up? Clang. It was, it was tough to watch. Um, I knew ultimately more than likely we're, our athleticism was going to beat Spain, but just, it seemed flawed, a flawed approach. Uh, anyway, perhaps we'll do a, a Olympics recap. I'm not sure. But uh, if you want to watch this show uh, each week, Wednesday at noon, head over to youtube.com forward slash Matt Nost. You can check me out over there. Um, and uh, if you are a uh, podcast listener, please subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating review. It helps elevate the uh uh, the program up so more eyes see it and just gets more traction and I, I would thoroughly appreciate it so that is it for me you can follow me anywhere at Matt Nost um, I'll see you guys next week for even more NBA discussion until then stay safe out there please go get the vaccine uh, wear your mask this new Delta Plus variant apparently is now potentially resistant to the vaccine so dear God if we don't get herd immunity quick in this country we're going to be overrun with another one. So please go get the vaccine, wear your masks, and let's try and stop this thing dead in its tracks before it gains uh, any more ground on us. That is it. I'll see you guys next week for another edition. Until then, adios. Adios.